0: Welcome to ROH Strong Podcast. Here is your host, Kevin Eck.
1: What's up, Honor Nation? Welcome to Episode 75 of the ROH Strong Podcast, the official podcast of Ring of Honor Wrestling. Now, my guest today made his ROH debut with an impressive showing in the Pure Title Tournament last year. And he returned to ROH with a victory over fellow free agent Jake Atlas at the recent Death Before Dishonor pay-per-view. He is Taylor Rust. Taylor, welcome to the show.
0: Hey, Kevin. Thanks for having me, brother. Really. Glad to be back here in ROH, man. It's a great yeah. place to be. and I've always been watching and making my mark here, man. This is something I've always wanted to do for a long time.
1: Well, and I can speak for, I think, everyone in Ring of Honor and, and the fans as well, is that we are happy to see you back in Ring of Honor. Uh, it's been about a year since we last, a little over a year, I guess, since we last saw you uh, when you were in the, the, uh, the PURE tournament. But b- before we go any further, I have to first ask you about your name because uh, I really had to consciously, when I was introducing you, I had to remember, say Taylor Rust. Don't say Russ Taylor, because Russ Taylor is what you were known as when you were last in Ring of Honor. But in NXT, you were known as Tyler Rust. And in doing my research on you, I saw that you've, throughout your career, you've used Ryan Taylor, Rust Taylor. Um, It's almost like Daniel Bryan, Bryan Danielson, taken to the... (laughs) So I just have to ask you, what is with all of the variations of those those names?
0: Uh, um, so when I first started wrestling, you know, Ryan Taylor was basically what I kind of we ended up with. Uh, it was never intended to actually keep because, you know, just a pretty like I don't know, it's an average name. Nothing I real last name is Taylor, so we just kind of stuck with it. And, and I started making some waves and getting around. And I remember one of the guys that was training me at the time, Cincinnati Red, I was talking with him about like trying to change, you know, my name to something that maybe isn't so bland. Like so everybody's got the exact same thing. And uh, he was just like, no, you can't change it because you're finally starting to get noticed. And if you change it, no one's going to know who you are again. So you gotta have to stick with it. And so I used Ryan Taylor reluctantly for a very long time and i remember i want to say it was 2000 yeah it was 2019 i'm hiking with my buddy uh kevin kevin martinson and he used to wrestle under the name johnny goodtime for years right everybody remembers johnny goodtime from pwg and we were up in the mountains and we were hiking and uh he we were just talking about the name change thing i asked him you know hey man like how'd you do it because I honestly like at the time in 2019 where I was at, I was like, I'm on this cusp of like changing gears in my career. And I was like, I don't want to carry Ryan Taylor anymore, man. It's time for a whole change. I was like, how did you do it? Like to get people to like, just go with it. And he said, I just did it and I accepted the fact that people are going to call me the wrong name. And <laughs> I don't care. <laughs> so I went with, okay, Russ Taylor was the name I always wanted to kind of like, Go with because my real name, you know, going along with it being Rust and everything. And uh, I just thought it, it just is a little different. Just I mean, it's something that was different, you know, something that stood out a little bit. Yeah. Rust. Rust always stood out. You know, it's very similar to my real name. I was like, it's like a showy version of my real name, basically, in a very simple way. And, but I always hated how it flowed together. Rust Taylor. It doesn't come off smoothly. You know, you have to almost take a pause between the two. Otherwise it sounds like it just just doesn't sound normal coming out like those two T's together. You know what I mean? Yeah. So when I ended up going to NXT, um, I had the idea, Taylor Rust. I said that flows, that you can say easily that doesn't have any weird, that, that, that connects. But, uh, they were very adamant that I couldn't use anything with my real name. So, which I didn't get because Joe Gacy right now is there as Joe Gacy and Joe Gacy's real name is Joe. You know, there's a lot of guys (laughs) who are still there using their part of their real name, but they were very adamant. You know, you can't use anything that has to do with your real name. So I said, okay, Tyler Rust. It's very similar to Taylor. It's Tyler. You know, so that was what we went with. And then when, now here we are, I'm coming back to ROH and that was the first thing I thought was, am I going back to Rust, Taylor? Or what am I gonna do? And I was like, I always wanted to, I'm always, a, uh, I'm always big on like, hey, marking change, like leaving little breadcrumbs along your path of life, right? Like if you're gonna, if you ever had something new, monumental happen, make it mean something and do something that hey this was a turning point and this is like a little check mark for that turning point in your life and to me those name changes are like little check marks this is a different version of me this is a different person coming out this isn't the same this isn't rust taylor anymore honestly taylor rust is different from tyler rust who's different from rust taylor who was different from ryan taylor so yeah, brother, you get a new person, you get a new name, and I like it, I think it flows well, I like the name a lot, of all the names I've had, the four ones, I think this one's actually my favorite, honestly, okay. so, yeah. yeah.
1: Yeah, I have to admit, when, um, when I found out that you were going to be at Death Before Dishonor, I found out uh, in a text message, a text message or an email, I can't remember which, uh, from our booker, and uh, was, you know, running down the lineup of Death Before Dishonor, and and had, uh, you know, Jake Atlas versus Taylor Rust. And I, I responded with, you know, like an LOL. And I was like, you mean Russ Taylor? And No, I mean Taylor Rust. So, okay. So that's what we're, you know, I, I'm sure we'll all get used to it. Well, We will all remember the name. Brother, really, you can just call me
0: Russ If you want to call me Russ. you just call me Taylor. I don't care. Exactly. It doesn't bother me. Right.
1: What's in the name? What's in the name ultimately, uh, at the end of the day, it's about what you can do in the ring. And obviously yeah. – uh, people were very impressed with, uh, with what you did last time when you were here for the Pure Tournament, which we'll talk about that. I got to say one more thing though about the name thing, right? So as I was looking up all your aliases, um, again, it's all these Russ Taylor, Ryan Taylor, Taylor, and then it's Man in Black pops out. Huh. What is the story with Man in Black?
0: Uh, ask Two Day Perkins. <laughs> <laughs> Um, Man in Black was a character created by uh, TJ Perkins and Gary Yap, and I don't know if you know who Gary Yap is, he's a, you know, a gentleman out there from the West Coast who did like some promoting and whatnot, and they were working on this uh, character together that they had a lot of really unique ideas for what this thing could become that they were trying to do with it, and it was honestly really cool, but... There were times when TJ had other commitments and would not be able to fully do the gimmick for the dates that they had, and because it was just a small project of theirs, he wasn't going to let you know this character oversee his ROH bookings or Evolve bookings yet at the time. And uh, me and TJ, you know, he actually uh, helped train me a lot and taught me a very very big portion of my actual uh, catch wrestling style when I was young coming up. you know, I owe know a lot of my uh, work here, my knowledge, to TJ. And because of so, we also can wrestle very similar at times. So this character is a full-body black suit and a mask. You don't even know who's under, he came, it's their skin, and TJ couldn't make the commitments to the bookings. I was subbing in for him. And it worked really well at first and then it worked very well and I ended up doing like half the dates as the man in black for the gimmick. And so it was just kind of like a little side that we worked on for a little
1: bit. So this is almost like the Black Scorpion back in the WCW days. I don't know if you're old enough. No, I don't think I remember that. No, you have to tell me. Yeah, I, I would say I don't think you're old enough to remember that, but... I'm was, old, brother. Personally, I'm old. <laughs> not as old as the guy you're talking to, but we don't, wanna, we don't need to go into that. Um, just trust me, I'm older than you. Uh, but yeah, back in the day, this was in like 1990, I want to say. Uh, in WCW, they created a Black Scorpion character who had some kind of, the storyline was, he had some kind of issue or history with Sting when Sting was WCW champion. And there was this big mystery about who it was. And you would see, he would cut promos and there would be like, he was like in the shadows. You couldn't see who it was. It was Ole Anderson cutting the promos with his voice distorted, right? (laughs) So when it came time, there was like, all these different black scorpions, and they were all different shapes and sizes, it, and you never knew which, you know, who was the real black scorpion. At the end of the day, long story short, is they never really had a plan apparently for who was gonna it was gonna be when he was unmasked. So they ended up going with Ric Flair when the black scorpion was finally unmasked. It was Rick Flair. <laughs> yes. It was me, Sting. All right. Well, enough about the black scorpion, man in black. Let's talk about, let's talk about you. Let's not talk about the black scorpion. Um, Everybody knows that you were in NXT for about a year. And then unfortunately you were caught up in the recent, I guess this was last month, uh, the recent um, batch of releases. And it was kind of surprising, I think, to a lot of people because you were in a faction called the diamond mind which also included, by the way, former Ring of Honor world champion, Mr. R.O.H. himself, Roderick Strong. So if other people were surprised about this, I, I, were, were you
0: surprised as well? I mean, of course. I don't think anybody expects, like, you know, we all know when we signed that contract with WWE, it's well known. It can be a three-year deal, a five-year deal, but on their end, it can end any time. Right. Um, you think to yourself, there are safety nets, if you're being used, you have a storyline, you have a championship. If you just main evented, you know, NXT the week before, like Bronson did, like, you are you know, they're looking at pulling him up to uh, the main roster and stuff. Like, there's all these different thoughts. I'm like, oh, well, yeah, of course there are guys that can get cut, but it's usually the guys that they don't have any plans for anymore or have kind of ran their time, been there for a good bit. They've got their use out of them. It's generally not the idea, uh, idea that, you know, guys that are – Like myself, Bronson, uh, Ari Zane is another one that I was hugely surprised about. You know, Alex, Alex, sorry, Alex Zane, Ari Zane combining his two names. (laughs) 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 Alex Zane was I was hugely surprised about, you know, like um, he just had a killer match with Kushida on 205, the week that we all had to let go. And they had a great match. And it's like there's so much potential in like these guys that they decide they're, you know, they need to release and there's no hard feelings about it because at the end of the day it's just a business. And we all know this is one of the things of corporate wrestling. It can go that way. So, you know, it's unfortunate. Um, but you know, it's unfortunate, surprising, and it can be a little shocking feeling at first. I think, uh, when it happened for me, I was actually in like Myrtle beach with my brother and like his wife. This is like a little like a weekend getaway. And, uh, It was very, very like, wow, like life is about to change very drastically, unexpectedly soon for me feeling. And because we're out there on the beach, I remember just sitting on the beach like, you know, it was like nighttime, it was like midnight. And I was just like kind of watching the waves. It was very symbolic actually. And just thinking about what direction I wanted to take life in next, where I wanted to go. I mean, I've been doing this stuff since I was 17 years old, brother. And when I started, my goal was WWE, that was why I started. And you know, you get told at that age, especially you're too small, like you're, it's a pipe dream, you know, come on. Like it's like saying, I want to be a pro baseball player, like a little kid, like, yeah, okay, kid. Like that's, that's a lot harder than you think it is. It's the exact same thing, but I was dead set on that. And you know, I'm sitting here, I think in my 17th year now in this business doing the job that I wanted to do when I was 17 years old and it always felt so surreal and I was very happy with it. And at the same time, I also was very content the entire time I had said that if they released me the day after they signed me, like I move over here, I get everything settled. I go and I show up my first day and they say, you know what, we changed our mind. We're going to cut you. I would say, thank you for your time. I'm glad I at least got to prove to everybody that I could do it and that uh, I could get signed by WWE. So the fact that not only did I get signed, but got put the TV right away, got used very well the entire time I was there. They put me with, you know, Malcolm, who was a tremendous mouthpiece. He's a, I love working with him so much. Got paired up in a solid group with Roderick Strong and uh, Hideki, like two amazing other wrestlers. They painted me in a very good light and I can't complain about a single thing while I was there honestly. It just happened out of nowhere and all of a sudden, hey, I know this is going great for you, but I need to let you go. And it was, it, 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 It's still very uh, baffling to think about, but I don't dwell on those negative things. Life is all about moving forward and handling those you know unknowns as best as you can and carrying it with you and you know it's how we react to things and make us who we really are right it's easy to be a good person when you're happy it's when things are hard and how you are and who you are then that really defines your core personality i think and you know my style is just don't dwell on the negatives you know there's always going to be negatives we're always going to have things that you're sorry about or you're hurt over you don't dwell on them you move forward you push past it and you just prove yourself Every single day, day in, day out, re-over again. So here we are. Well,
1: it sounds like you absolutely have the right attitude, and it's great that you have that positive outlook because at the end of the day, I've I've said this a million times, that talent always wins out. And even when there's setbacks, whatever happens, ultimately it's going to turn out – I mean, you're going to land on your feet and be fine. And, And I think having that confidence and knowing that, is is such a huge huge part of like you said uh just moving forward i want to ask you though um how closely did you actually work with Shawn michaels and obviously everyone knows nxt is is a passion project for triple h how closely did you get to work with those guys were they were they very hands-on
0: very hands-on they're very hands uh sean hunter uh triple h they're both very hands-on and I worked with Sean more so. He was the reason I actually started TV right away. So he took notice of me when I was there. He looked up my matches online. He pulled me into a meeting in his office and we had a great talk. And he told me, hey, man, like I looked up your stuff. I don't know who you are, but I love your work. I love your look. And I think you can be something really big here. I want to use you right away. And you're know, hearing this from Sean Michaels. It's like, wow, okay. <laughs> yeah, I
1: was going to say for my money, Sean yeah. Michaels is, he you know I've been watching this business. This will l- give you a little indication of how old I am, for over forty years. I started watching when I was very young. Um, to me, Shawn Michaels is the greatest all-around performer that I've ever seen.
0: Uh, yeah. he's hand, yeah, hands down. Like it, when him and Bret had that Iron Man match, I say that's the best match in pro wrestling history because it's the main event at WrestleMania, going for an entire hour, and it's the absolute two of the best of all time at their peak performances. It's unrivaled, honestly, I think, in anything else that you've ever seen here in mainstream pro wrestling.
1: Well, and as far as for you, I mean, I don't know that there could be a higher compliment than to have Shawn Michaels himself tell you that he's a fan of your work and is impressed by you and and wants to use you right away. I mean, that That was
0: very much so, yeah. Shawn was... And, and even afterwards, he was always stayed very hands-on because every time you, him and uh, Triple H, they're always watching the monitors and they're everything directly is doing NXT and they're very hands-on throughout the entire program, you know, through all the pre-production and throughout the showcase of it and very, very always strong with their feedback for everything. So it really was their project and everything. And that's what made it so amazing to be a part of, you know, they have, they're such a great mind for this stuff. And even when we had the diamond mine stuff, they were very. That was like their project. They wanted to like really push and like take care of. It.
1: So let me talk to you again about moving forward, as we were just saying uh, a few minutes ago. You are now a free agent. H- how does it? How does that feel to you at this point? Because I, I don't know. It seems like a good time in this business to be one. Because because I'm sure a guy with your talent has a lot of opportunities. So I know there's. You know, on the one hand, there's the Security, if you can call it that of having a contract being signed. Uh, but then I guess there's sort of an excitement I would think to knowing that, okay, that's over with now. What's going to happen next is, is kind of exciting to think about.
0: It can be a very, very exciting thing. If you think about what's going to happen tomorrow and you're like, I have no idea. And that's kind of exciting. Um, to an extent, I will say to an extent, yeah. you know, I used to work right before, uh, I got picked up in WWE. I actually always worked still a full time job for an animal shelter. And uh, out there in California, that was always, and managing the shelter and my wrestling uh, options and career was always very difficult. But I mean, where well, there's a will is a way, and I made it work. And, you know, my, my manager, For our team we were on, he knew I was reliable, so he was always very, very helpful as far as like last-minute dates I needed or extended time off. All of a sudden, I have to use, you know, saying uh, – he was always cool with me just being like, hey, man, I need, like, four sick days next week. And he was like, okay, I got it. You know, because when I'm there, I'm somebody you can always rely on. Man, even if it's not in wrestling, like, wherever you're at, you put your whole intent into it. You're somebody you can count on, not just, you know, like an athlete, but like a person in life, you be accountable for your stuff. And, you know, I've always given that a passion off to people. So now not being under contract anymore, I'm going to stay free agent, you know, and I mean, I don't have that, that uh, nine to five gig. I don't have that guaranteed income coming in. And it's very, very different of a feeling, I would say. You know, I'm 34 years old. I'm not, you know, somebody who's like, oh, like I have my whole life ahead of me. I'm only 21. So to me, I'm like, hey, man, like, I'm at the point where I've done this long enough that I've perfected this craft to make really, really good money out of it, you know, and I can teach people, uh, you know, so many things, and I can also showcase so many things that others can't. If there's ever, If there's ever a time to make money on your own with it, it's, literally right now for me and in five years maybe that time will be over but for right now that at least that time is here so
1: well that's the question I was going to ask you next is sort of put it in like relationship terms are you looking to settle down or are you happy playing the field
0: (laughs) my goal is to obtain a contract okay so my goal is to get a signed deal with uh, in professional wrestling again, you know, sooner than later, because I mean, I'm an adult, man. I have bills and I have, you know, I have life to take care of outside of this business. And while I don't mind the free agency for now, I know after a year or so of free agency, maybe that uncertainty of the income will become quite annoying.
1: Right. I can understand that for sure. Yeah. (laughs) Well, we're going to take our first break, and then we'll be back with more with Taylor Rust right after this.
0: It's been fun playing wrestling with y'all. But we got something even better. Hey! Honor Nation, it's the ROH Wrestling Honor Pals. The body-slamming, drop-kicking way to keep the fun going.
1: We
0: need some tougher competition. El Totopaco! Jay She's the new Honor Pals champion. ROH Wrestling Honor Pals. Bring home your favorite star at shophonor.com.
1: All right, we are back in the ROH Strong Podcast talking to Taylor Rust. Uh, I don't want to give away any spoilers, But I know that uh, you worked a recent set of Ring of Honor TV tapings. And you were involved in a tag team match with the Briscoes. Them boys. Yeah, so I have to ask you, what was it like getting in the ring with Jay and Mark?
0: Oh man, I am from the middle of the nowhere desert. So, me and them boys get along pretty well. They're a bunch of backcountry, you know, backwoods boys. I'm from like the middle of nowhere desert out there in California. I'm not from like Los Angeles or anything, man. So, you know, their relaxed country style vibes really well with me, man. And I was really, really looking forward to it. I always wanted to wrestle them in PWG, actually. When me and uh, Brian Cage were a solid tag team there for a while, we kept asking uh, to get a tag match, you know, with the Briscoes because we thought we would all have a really good one. So the fact that I was finally able to do it now, that was pretty cool.
1: So here's another match that – and and that match with the Briscoes will air on TV in the coming weeks. Stay tuned for that. Uh, You had another match in Ring of Honor in addition to your pure title – or the pure title tournament match against Tracy Williams and that you teamed with Dalton Castle and you guys worked with Kenny King and Rocky Romero, which is uh, obviously all four of you guys were in the pure tournament. That's why the match was made. But certainly an eclectic – (laughs) <laughs> an eclectic foursome there. Uh, what was? What do you recall of that experience? It was. It was shown on ROH week by week last year. Yeah. You can still go watch that on YouTube. But uh, what are your memories of that match? Uh,
0: my memories of that match is we had to do it at ten a.m. and I was exhausted, and I was just uh, <laughs> getting up there and doing it. I was like, man, this is so really be wrestling. No crowds. There's no crowd here. It's 10 a.m. My body's not even awake. My mind's not awake. So let's just see how hopefully I can do this well. Um, also, my first time meeting Dalton Castle. And me and him got on really well, man. He's a really cool brother. Uh, I remember we made, a, we made a good little connection in that match. We talked a good bit after, and he's a really cool dude. I got to move on really well with that guy.
1: Yeah, I was going to say, three guys in there that, uh, that certainly I would think are easy to work with. And and you have a history with with Rocky, don't you?
0: Yeah, Rocky. Uh, remember how I was saying like TJ is basically a big reason why I wrestle the way I do. Like he helped you know train me a lot. Yeah. Um, it was him, Rocky, and Ricky Reyes, you know the Havana Pitbulls. Uh, all three of those guys. They really put a big hand in my work and training early on in my career. They came originally out of the same school that I uh, started at. They went gone to the Noki Dojo. And then around the time that I was starting to train, the Noki Dojo was kind of having their falling outs and their issues, and they were kind of starting to close down. Those guys started coming back and doing their own personal training uh, at the school I was at, which was Jesse Hernandez's School of Hard Knocks over in San Bernardino, California. And first it was Reyes, he would come around a lot and i trained a lot with Reyes, and he was a whole new style for wrestling to me, and it was great to learn from him how he did it. And then TJ started coming around a lot, and me and TJ, you know, we're closer in age and style and size, and learning how he did things. And I remember just watching him roll around. And I was like, however, this guy has learned to do this stuff, I need to pick his brain because he is one of the best wrestlers I've seen. And then Rocky started coming around, and when Rocky started coming around, he organized his own personal class that they would do on, like, you know, not ordinary times or days, but you had to be, like, almost invited to go train with them. I was one of the few people that they said that it was okay to go train with them. And we would work hard. And I remember just swiping through my shirt some days, having to change in mid, you know, mid-class and everything. But Rocky is such a good body. He has such a good psychology. and He was such a good teacher. And he really put a lot of you know, uh, eye-opening experiences there for me in the ring of how to do things and how to make things work better. Things I was doing well, things that I wasn't doing well so i've always looked at rocky as kind of like you know somebody that i've always looked for his opinion his source hey man what do you think about this or this he's always been one of those figures to me and you know i've known him for a good long while. so that was probably i want to say in 2006 was when what we started doing those like you know little private classes at that school Knox, and we did those for about i want to say a good year and a half two years with them so that was a good Great learning experiences with those
1: guys, man. Yeah, I could imagine so. Uh, well, let me ask you this question. Are, are there any guy, and I know you don't want to slight anybody or anything like that, but are there any guys in Ring of Honor uh, that you've never stepped in the ring with that you would really think that you'd really like to step in the ring with? And that, you know, ba- ba- mainly because of your style, their style, you think you would, you know, have a great match together?
0: Others, man. I'd love to have another match with Tracy Williams again. You know, we had a great uh, out in, you know, in the pure tournament, I would love to revisit that. And Gresham, obviously, Josh Woods, those guys are just, they're making that pure title really be something different and mean something, you know, the high standard of wrestling that it is. And the entire foundation really is a great group of guys. You know, Jay Lethal has always been that way and Red Titus, those guys are all soft and, you know, stellar. And I saw a lot of uh, newer talent that I wasn't aware of and they came out of the ROH school they're at the uh, tapings and they seem like they're so they're so good already. And it would be great to, you know, get in there with some of the ROH guys that they have coming up. So I don't know, man, I'm, I'm the kind of guy that, that, that I'm, I get along with everybody. I work well with everybody and I just want to wrestle everybody. <laughs> and Nigel if you can make that happen.
1: <laughs> All right. I'll see if I can talk to some people. All right. let me, let me see if we can hook that up. I don't know. Um, you mentioned Tracy Williams and I understand that you and Tracy before that pure tournament match, you guys had, had never crossed paths. Is that, is that correct? Or at least never been in the ring?
0: Today. No, we never even met. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, this was uh, during, you know, the peak COVID times there yeah, right. in 2020. So we literally didn't meet until maybe an hour before we went out there to wrestle. And that was the first time we ever met each other. It was like, hey man, I'm Russ, you know, nice to meet you. Uh, but when that's always a nerve wracking thing because in you know pro wrestling, um, you do have to vibe well with people in the ring and your styles. And honestly, I've worked some guys that we're great friends, but we don't get along at all when we wrestle. We have two totally different ways of thinking and movements. And what you do on the spot is different from what I think I would be doing on the spot, and it just doesn't clash well. So it's always a big test to not only, oh, you can be a great worker and I can be a great worker, but how well do we really get along? How good is our chemistry really in this ring, right man? But Tracy Williams and I, I felt we had great chemistry. I was really loving it when we had that match. Yeah, absolutely.
1: I mean, I, what it was a great match. I mean, just as a fan watching it. Uh, you guys, I mean, you said it, you have great chemistry. You would never know that you guys hadn't even met, you know, till an hour before the match because the chemistry was certainly there, which is a, a tribute, obviously, or a testament to, to both of you.
0: That's a testament to pure wrestling, brothers. What that is. It's That's two guys right. that have just devoted themselves to learning how to flow and be just a wrestler on the mat and understanding. It's like a universal language, you know. If I could have worked somebody from Japan the same way, he doesn't speak any English at all we can have the exact same match if he knows how to wrestle because we don't have to talk. You know, you know. not, we're, not the same. we're, I'm feeling his body. He's feeling mine. We're just going with those flows and those movements. That's pure wrestling brother. Well,
1: that's all. Well, that's some great insight. I mean, I, that you're really taking us inside baseball there, so to speak. Um, <laughs> you know, that, that, that makes a lot of sense now. Why, why you guys did have such good chemistry. And I know the pure wrestling thing is is right up your alley as i mean as you alluded to with your training and everything else what was your thought when you got the call last year to be part of the pure
0: tournament so i was at my animal shelter gig uh because i mean i still work that full-time job at the animal shelter you know i love wrestling i just came back from actually touring europe for wxw I was just staying in Germany with them. I had some dates in England. COVID happened, and I kind of just stayed in Germany for another month, just traveling around the country while it was still COVID. You know, everything was shut down, but the trains were open. So had that great experience. Um, and when I came back, I was like, well, the world's kind of shut down, but you know, the animal shelter still has to run because animals have not have a place to go. So I put my time just back into working back at the animal shelter full time. And I remember I was at my desk just doing a bunch of stuff, and I got a text uh, offering me a position to be in the ROH Pure Tournament. And I was just like very set back. I, I took a screenshot of it and sent to my buddy. And I was like, "Bro, what?" Uh-huh. <laughs> like okay. I would been making some good waves, and I was getting a lot of momentum, man. Right before the pandemic happened, and like I was at 16 karat over at for the w, right? Yep. And I was, it, it was going from there. I was coming back. Uh, I remember I was doing the New Japan Strong stuff right away, but you know, I, I was getting looked at by WWE and they were telling me, hey, we might be interested in signing you. So a lot of great things were happening right when the pandemic happened. And I thought to myself, like, of course, of course, of all the times when I'm having a wee breaking out of my career here at the ripe old age of 33, <laughs> uh, the world shuts down and stops momentum, and doesn't pick it back up. You know, if it doesn't, if it doesn't keep going, if I slow down and my run kind of gets cut super short because of it, just kind of go back to being a guy that you know is on the west without not really getting known, then it's gonna suck. But I mean, life goes you a lot of curveballs, and that's just gonna be one of them. So when I got that text here to pure tournament, that was such a huge, huge thing to me because that's what I needed to really be able to keep my name flowing and growing and showcasing myself at that exact moment and i was right on the cusp of being like this breakout like wrestler around the scene all over again right when the pandemic happened and the pure tournament is the exact thing i needed just to make that like sink in so i was thrilled honestly to be able to do it
1: well and there were lots of impressive ring of honor debuts in that tournament I mean there was you there was tony Deppen. Fred Yehi, uh Wheeler Yuda. And I have to say, I mean, you are you were as impressive certainly, as, as any of them. And I was excited that, you know, I had heard, you know, hey, we might be using these guys more. and might be using you more. But as you – I think as you just said, there was the WWE opportunity kind of at that same time.
0: So, yeah, actually, I signed my WWE contract that very week, actually, right. for the pure tournament. Uh, it was sent to me at my hotel there for ROH. And I remember I had signed it and sent it back out. My brother lives in uh, Maryland, actually. And he came by the hotel and picked it up and sent it off for me. So, yeah, right after the match, I remember I talked with, you know, Powers would be there at ROH. And really quickly, just like, hey, what's what's your status like? What are you doing? And I was just like, I apologize. I had just signed with the WWE. Yeah. But I let them know how much, hey, I was reiterating again and again, like, hey, I love this place. I love ROH. If anything happens at all, like, I will be in touch. You know, I, I would love to be here more and work with you guys more. So I'm really happy to be back, honestly. I really am.
1: Yeah, and like I said earlier, I think um, certainly everyone in Ring of Honor and the Ring of Honor fans, I know that we've seen some feedback. Uh, everybody's happy to have you back. And it's very really cool for you because, as you said, you – your goal from the time you were young was to be in WWE, and you got to to live out that dream. Um, but I, you know, again, I think everyone was happy for you, but um, also very happy to have you back here. In <laughs> so, if that makes any sense. Um, let me ask you one other uh, thing before we go to our next break. You had gotten an opportunity back in, I think it was 2012, correct? Where you you were at a WWE camp. And yes, yeah. uh, I think you were, so 2012, you were about what, 25,
0: Five, 25,
1: 25 at the time. Um, what was your mindset like at that point when ultimately you didn't get signed?
0: Huh, that's a whole story. <laughs> <laughs> so the 2012 camp, uh, they had just started doing this new thing where they're going to have these tryout camps. They didn't do them before. This was the third one they'd ever done. Uh, and they just started doing them maybe only two months prior when they did this one. So they did the first two out there in Florida, and they came out to Los Angeles, and they were doing the third one there. And they had a whole speech with us said, "Hey guys, just so you know, this is how we're going to start doing our hiring process. You know, for now we're going to have these camps, these trial camps are going to be three-day camps, an evaluation period like this is a real look." And I've done you know several extra work and commercials even for WWE. Before then, uh, but to me, I never really felt like those were real tryout experiences. Even then, I was like, "This isn't a trial. Like this is. I'm here helping them. You know, if if you happen to be somebody that they that looks like somebody they might want, which I wasn't. You know, I mean, especially those times when I was doing those extra works, I was probably 180 pounds. You know, at most six feet tall. 180 pounds isn't exactly a pro wrestling looking guy, especially for them. So when those camps happen. I had found some good size by that point, you know, and I had started making my name on the independence a little bit through a pro wrestling gorilla. And I was having a good, good little high point in my career there at the moment. Uh, I got the call, Hey, we're interested. We'd like to take a look at you. We're having this camp out in Los Angeles, you know, if you can be there, et cetera. And while I was there, I remember it was like me and Tim Thatcher was there. Uh, Adam Pierce, he was, you know, still on The Independence uh, and also most notably Bailey, who was at the time Davina Rose. She was there at the uh, camp with us and you know me and uh, Bailey, we were actually always very good friends because she's from Northern California So we worked a lot of the same shows see each other on the circuit. And we always got on well So it was pretty cool. We were there, you know, at this little tryout camp together like kind of seeing how the process is going for one another. Um, it was, you know, three hard days, honestly, I remember going back to the hotel room and Epsom salt bats for all the muscles and then icing everything. I felt maybe sore. I'm pretty sure I actually pulled my groin like the first day, like, uh, well, you're tough. We can push through it. Right. <laughs> um, they did like cuts, you know, the first day, Hey guys, we're going to do cuts they cut people the first day. They cut, like, you know, I don't know, let's just say they cut, like, maybe at least a third of the guys the first day. Bunch of, like, male models and actors and, you know, whatnot that this, yeah, like, they're not picking it up or they're not showing any interest so you guys can go. And then, like, the next day, they had, like, two more rounds of cuts. And so afterwards, it was like, all right, everybody's here, you're not getting cut tomorrow for the third day. You know, just matching promos and stuff like that. And... You know, I mean, it went great. It went fine. Afterwards, uh, I got pulled aside and, you know, I was told, hey, we you did really well. We like your age. We like your look. Uh, we like the way you wrestled. You know, you obviously know what you're doing. We think you'd be a great fit for us out in Florida. So we're not sure, but we're just letting you know you do really good. I was like, you know, awesome. And, I mean, a lot of people gave them like multiple reasons to they could get signed. Tim Thatcher, he did, you know, a tremendous job also at the time. Uh, I remember even watching uh, Bailey, what she did that got her signed. You know, she was so helpful because every other girl there wasn't a wrestler; they were just like athletes. But she was so helpful in showing them how to do the wrestling moves and techniques. And I could just watch them watching her, and they were falling in love with the way that she was so helpful to everybody. And I was just like, in awe, like, man, she's definitely going to get picked up. Like, there's no way they're going to pass, you know, on signing Bailey." And sure enough. When the day came for us to find out, they had said, you'll either get a phone call or you get an email. If you get an email, you know, sorry, not this time, but if you get a phone call, then we're gonna sign you. And I actually got a text from Bailey that day, he said, oh my God, they just called me, I got it. And I didn't have a missed phone call. So I, my heart kind of sank. Mm. I checked my email and sure enough, there's the letter that says, hey Russ, we thought you did great. We think you're an amazing talent, but not this time. You know, we want you to stay at it. We'd like to see you again soon. We like you, but you know, this just at this time we don't have an offer for you. And to be fair with you, at that time in my life, I was kind of going through some, you know, stuff. Um, a good transition period for myself and life, and I was kind of at the end of my ropes there as far as like is wrestling going to be taken off or am I going to have to change gears and start trying to transition life a different way? And it was kind of like, oh, this could be perfect timing for me slides in here and this is everything I need. Or if not, I may have to kind of change gears a little bit, you know, in my personal life. And when I didn't get it, it sucked. Uh, I felt I did do the best I could honestly do and I gave him everything I could give him. And if that wasn't good enough at that time, then I felt anything else I could give honestly wasn't going to be good enough from me for at least a little bit until I had changed some. And I was right. You know, just wasn't going to work and that was the best I could do and it wasn't enough. And being told that, like, hey, your best wasn't enough is a really feeling, man. But those are the breaks of life sometimes. And You know, like we say, you said, you don't dwell on the negatives too much. You just try and react as best as you can and move forward as best as you can and you know because of that is what actually led me to start working at the animal shelter because like i said i was kind of at the end of my ropes my personal life as far as like finances and being a struggling independent wrestler you know all these times you know it was back then it wasn't very easy to make money in the independence man like it was not a time it was not the independent boom that there is now it was not happening so i had to get that you know that real job at the animal shelter to kind of help save me from a lot you know like financial issues that was kind of going through, you know, traveling through wrestling is so much fun, but you make a lot of money off of it. You know, I can go and live in Japan for three months like I was, but I wasn't making a lot of money to it. you know, living out there in Mexico like I was. Like, I wasn't making a lot of money. So...
1: What what convinced you? I would say, uh, convinced me what? I'll say, what convinced you to give it another shot?
0: Uh Huh. Well, well. Fast forward there. Uh, don't get picked up. End up getting a full-time job at the animal shelter. You know, the very next year in 2013, and life kind of comes that, where I'm just gonna do like uh, wrestling and working a full-time job. But because of a full-time job, you can't really travel that like that often. You kind of have to still have a full-time gig, and I kind of do that routine there for probably about a good. I want to say six years straight, and it's going fine. Every year, I kind of wonder if this is going to be my last year in wrestling or not. You know, like, is something going to take off? something not going to take off? I had the option to get a very big promotional position within the animal shelter, actually. And I wasn't sure, because it meant I would have to quit pro wrestling if I took it. So this is now we're going to the 2019 here. Uh, I think about it for a while, talk to my family, my brother, and you know, decide, hey man, at that point, I'm 32 years old. If life's leading me in a different direction, you know, take it, Sit and call it a day. You know, I love everything I've done in wrestling at that point, and if it was all I had, and that's all I had, and I'm okay with that. So I go with the deal, and you know, get all the, you know, do the interview. Basically, getting ready to walk out for wrestling, um, I think I'm done, you know, I'm, the job is basically mine. I get told the very next day I didn't get the job. And I was shocked. Everybody kind of worked at the animal shelter was kind of like, what do you mean? And that was a whole other deal of kind of, yeah. But basically when that happened, I uh, it like lit a fire in me with pro wrestling. And I just got mad. I got, I got so mad that like, I almost quit for this job. And the job didn't even give me the promotion. Sorry, I just cussed. <laughs> <laughs> um, and it was the push that I needed internally, honestly, to switch gears in this business. Because I said, I'm going to do everything I can do to get signed to a company within one year's time. Wherever it is, I'm going to get a contract somewhere. And that's what pushed me, man. I just, I, I started, uh, my biggest thing always before, I was told when you were coming up, never fly yourself anywhere. I was always preached that when I was younger. That was always told me, never fly yourself anywhere. If they don't fly you, then you're not worth it. To so which is true to a certain degree. But if you're a talent that is beyond ready, all you need to do is get see, just get seen by the right eyes, you need to break that rule. And that's the one rule I broke. So I started doing that in 2019 and just, came, just, just to get some new eyes on me. And it worked tremendously. It worked really quick. And that's what made everything take off. And all of a sudden WWE was immediately interested. And then I got my Germany tours and then New Japan Strong. And then I came to the ROH and then I got signed right away. And it happened so fast. It happened all within a year's time frame. But it was that fire that I had like because of, hey, I didn't get, you know, uh, the promotional position that I almost quit wrestling for. And I was so mad about it. I said, and I meant it. And you kind of manifest these things in life when you have your whole heart and mind set on something. And that was one of those moments when I really, really did that.
1: Wow, that's a great story. I mean, and it just shows, I mean, what a what a turning point for you there where Uh, It's almost like, you know, I don't know if you believe in fate, but it seems like it was fate that you weren't meant to get that animal shelter job um, and that you were meant to do what was your original passion, which is pro wrestling. And then, you know, like you said, it was uh, it lit a fire under you. And here you are. Everybody. I say this all the time. Everybody's on their own timetable. Some people make it earlier than others. Uh, Some people that are very talented, like yourself, for whatever reason. It just happens later. But like I said earlier in this, in this podcast, I, I will always believe talent wins out in the end. Like it, it, if you know how to work, you're good at what you do. There's a place for you somewhere. And, um, and you're obviously right now, you're living proof of that. So.
0: Yeah. Uh, it's the process. You just got to trust the process. Just keep to the grind, the work, you know, it may take a while sometimes in my case and, you know, you just may not. You may get a break and then fall a little bit, and then get another break and then fall down a little bit. But each time you get a break, you're getting a little bit further than you did the last time. You know, and it's just for some reason or another, the universe has to wait to line up perfectly. And uh, me and my buddy Scorpio Sky, we have a little saying: All you need is one good year to completely change your entire life around. That's what it takes, man.
1: Yeah, absolutely. All right, man. Well, we're gonna take another break. Uh, we got more with. Taylor Rust, right after this.
0: Want to hear post-match interviews from tonight's competitors? Want to see exclusive brand new matches? Want to learn about breaking news before anyone else? Week by Week is the perfect companion to everything that happens on ROH TV. It premieres every single Tuesday at 1 p.m. Eastern on the official ROH YouTube page. That's YouTube.com slash Ring of Honor. Stay informed on the best wrestling on the planet. I'll see you there.
1: All right, we're back on the R.H. Strong podcast with Taylor Rust. I want to go back to your um, upbringing, if we could, just for a minute, because you, you would, you've intrigued me when you said that you lived in the middle of nowhere uh, yeah. <laughs> in California. Um, I, I just what was I, I'm just I'm intrigued by that. What, what was that like uh, growing up in in that kind of setting?
0: Um, well, originally, uh, I was born in Long Beach. And my parents lived in Stanton, California, which is in L.A. County. Uh, But they were dog trainers, actually. Both my parents, they're dog trainers, and and they had a giant dog kennel. And there's not a lot of property room out there in L.A. County, uh, especially for dog training businesses. So this was probably – this was, like, the early 90s, you know, like 91 – Um, they said, hey, let's move up to this area up here in California called the High Desert. You know, just beyond the mountain range, just beyond the, uh, you know, Angles National Forest. There on the other side of it, there's this giant desert out there and, you know, there's a lot of property out there and we can, they can, you know, we can raise our family and have our kids grow up out there and it's a nice safe area. And so that's what they did. We relocated everything when I was like probably three or four up to the desert. And we stayed up there, you know, Just we just stayed up there. We moved around from property to property a lot when I was younger, like five acres of land always, wherever we were going. Uh, But that middle of nowhere gives you a really, really unique upbringing in the sense that like, I would just go play outside and go in the desert. My parents didn't care. I would go ride my bike out down the dirt roads and whatever. As long as I'm back before sundown, they didn't mind. You know, we're out here. Like, they were more concerned about like rattlesnakes you know, biting me in the ankle. And they were about somebody kidnapping me. That was
1: like... I I, I was going to ask you that. Like, I'm picturing rattlesnakes and scorpions and all kinds of stuff crawling around it. So, I mean, that was, I guess, just normal for you. Yeah, that's it.
0: I mean, yeah, they would always be like, you know, talk about like, oh, if you get bit by a snake, what do you do? Like, oh, you need to take off your shirt, tie it around the above the area to try and, you know, stop the blood flow from going because you want to try and like... Uh, isolate that area and then you know, you just keep, you know, make sure you keep elevated and you know, get back to the house as soon as possible. I was like, well, we're always talking about other kids, uh, or you know, like a coyote for some reason, like you know, tries to bite you, you know, it's like a dog trying to bite you, you know, like what do you do? Those kinds of things we would talk about. You know, so we're in the middle of the desert, <laughs> we're not worried about, you know, I don't know, like normal issues people probably have to worry about when they live in rural housing areas. Um, but it was, you know, I, I love that upbringing, honestly, man, you know, like out there, you can see the stars endlessly in the universe when I clear night in the summer we would have a trampoline in our front yard and me and my brother would just be out in that trampoline all night long looking at the stars, you know, just this beautiful, beautiful whole universe that like we don't know anything about and just being in awe of everything. And that's like what we grew up with, this very simple lifestyle out there. You know? And that's just, it kind of instills a uh, very connected soul to you as far as it goes to the actual world around you.
1: So, how old were you when you discovered pro wrestling?
0: What, like, what's your earliest? Uh, really young. Probably, I don't know. Like, I, I've always been fans. My brother was a fan, and he's older than me like, you know, like, for like two years. So, like, I mean, yeah, I remember, you know, maybe, like, what, three or something like that in the earliest memories. I can always remember watching
1: it. Okay. At what point did you decide uh, – I mean, were you one of those kids who was, like, when I grow up, I'm going to be a wrestler? Um, or was it something later where you were, like, hey, I think I could really do this? When did you realistically decide, like, all right, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pursue a career in wrestling?
0: Uh. I started talking about the idea when I was like 12. Okay. Remember? And I think when I was 15, 14 or 15 is when I was like, I think I can really do this. I think I, I'm like, I think I really can do it. And again, you're talking about a kid that's like tall and like lanky. He, uh, he's not exactly looking like a pro wrestler, but. I was doing, a, I, did, I did all the sports growing up. My parents, one thing they, you know, when you live in the middle of nowhere, you have two options. Uh, you either play guitar and smoke weed, or you lift weights and play sports. And my parents would have killed us if we smoked weed. So <laughs> my option was to, you know, be athletic. So we played all the sports growing up. And, but what I excelled in the most was gymnastics. I was really, really, really good at gymnastics. And I had a really great body control. I could, you know, move very easily. Um, and I realized that, but like longevity wise, what's gymnastics is really gonna get you? I'm not gonna we live we live in the middle of a you know, small town, like there was we weren't doing the big competitions around the United States to like AAU gymnastics, you know, like at the time. So for me it was just like, oh, this is a great talent, I realize I have, but like what can you really do with it? Well, pro wrestling is a whole lot of body control and you know if you're pretty athletic and you have a lot of body control you can do something in there you know and then you see guys uh like jeff hardy remember was one of the first eye openers for a lot of guys and he was for me you know and like all the cruiserweights that they had there in wcw eddie guerrero ruta guerrera um those guys they this they open up your eyes to like this is a whole different style of wrestling you haven't really noticed before and a guy like me, who isn't the biggest guy, but has a lot of athleticism, huh, maybe this is something I could do. Maybe I really could do it. So I remember being about like 14-ish and just being like, I think I'm gonna give it a shot. And I always thought I was gonna be like 18, graduate high school and go to the school called UPW out there in California. And I was gonna just kind of give UPW the run. But I met the Hardy Boys when I was like 16. I like a book signing for them and I don't know, man, it was just me and these larger than life guys. It just, it, it lit this fire right away and I, I had to do it. I had to do it now. And I saw a uh, documentary on TV on the travel channel called pro wrestling, the tricks of the trade or tools of the trade or something. And ROH was actually even highlighted on it at the time they had Xavier as a champion and they were showing, you know, one of the shows tomorrow age. And they also showed this place in California called the school of hard knocks and the EWF. Uh, that was, you know, in San Bernardino. And I remember like San Bernardino and that's maybe like 45 minutes from where we're at. And so I looked them up online, I had yeah, reasonable prices, especially for guys who were 16 years old and didn't have much money. So I kind of, uh, decided to quit high school football, which my mother was very, very unhappy about, (laughs) (laughs) and try my hand at becoming a professional wrestler. And I remember uh, going into the School of Hard Knocks for the first time and meeting Jesse Hernandez, and he says, brother, uh, you want to just try out the class of the day? You know, if you want to do that, just give me like $15, what do you want to do? And I was just like, Your website said, like, you know, for 12 classes, it was like $250, whatever I think it was. And he was like, okay, yeah, do you want to sign up for 12 classes? And I was like, well, I mean, I'm not leaving, so, yeah, here's here's the money. But in my mind, I was just like, 12 classes, no, I'm, like, here to stay. What are you talking about? Like, 12 classes, but I'll sign up for 12 years. What are you talking about? Like, no, I don't have quitting as an option in my mind. Like, I'm doing this. That was always my intent. I think that's the intent that you have to have a way into it. A lot of guys, it's either there's the guys that are just trying it out and there's the guys that are like, no, this is what I'm doing. This is me. I'm starting a new life path. And this is the start of this new path of life.
1: So you mentioned that you were athletic and obviously you had this background in gymnastics, which, you know, theoretically should should help. Like you said, you know, body control and things like that. But once you actually started the training, did you find that you took to it right away? Um, or or was it something that you kind of had to uh, to work at? I mean, obviously, you when you're first starting, you don't really know what you're doing and you're learning. But did it come naturally to you, I guess is what I'm asking.
0: Uh, parts came naturally because of the body control I had from just growing up playing sports. Like I tell every young person that's ever asked me, Hey, I want to be a pro wrestler. What advice do you give me? I tell them go play real sports. Whether it's baseball, it's soccer, it's football, whatever it is, play real sports because you need to learn that you know fundamentals and coordination of your body control to really be able to excel in pro wrestling. And that's like the first step. Once you have those fundamentals of like, your coordination down, and, like your general muscle structure has been built, like to have a good base. Like you don't have to be big, as long as you can just run, jump, and leap without you know, hurting yourself when you're good. So when I started, I already had those fundamentals already instilled me from like, you know, years of playing sports and excelling in gymnastics, especially, maybe a really strong core. So I could do things like leapfrog, drop down, drop kick easily, right? Those are easy. Um, but to say I, wrestling came naturally to me, like the pro wrestling stuff be very, very big, uh, <laughs> a very big lie, because I absolutely sucked, I want to say, for like, man, at least, at least like the first two years of matches straight, I was awful, and it was beating, actually, the Hamanica uh, Bulls is what changed around my entire style and the way that I was wrestling all together, and took me from being, I don't know, just green as shit and not getting anywhere in this business and not being good. Like, I would see uh, ROH things, like uh, Paul London, for example. And Paul London was amazing. Especially in ROH, he was amazing. I would see what he was doing, and I was like, I want to do that. But, like, it's like any, any kid on a trampoline. They see Paul London do cool moves, and they go, oh, it's just cool moves. Right. You know, know there's the cool moves catch your eye, but it doesn't work like that. There's a whole method to this that makes it work outside those cool moves. And that's the hard part of teaching people is getting to understand how to make that work, how to make that happen. And that's what the uh, Havana Pitbulls there, TJ, that's what they all taught me. And then through their teachings is where I finally started having this wrestling stuff click in my head mentally finally started giving me some confidence in the ring. I finally started being able to have some good matches. I finally started to understand, you know, what pro wrestling really was. It's not punch, kick, DT, you know. It's storytelling. It's it's relaying emotions in your uh, work to the audience to have them connect and get a reaction out of it. So that when you do hit those big flashy moves later on, they actually mean something instead of just being a throwaway. Okay, cool. What's the next thing? Right. So yeah, man, wrestling for me didn't come very easy at all. <laughs> <laughs> I was absolutely off to begin with, honestly, but uh, I'm proud to say that actually, because I know a lot of guys I see they take to it and they are like a fish to water and they're so good. Everything right away. And I'm like, man, That's awesome. I was one of those guys that was absolutely awful. But just like how everything kind of turned out in my career, it takes time. If you stick with it, then even if you're awful to start with, man, you can get pretty good. You just have to have a lot of dedication, study a lot of matches, countlessly, endlessly, always. Like, you can turn it around. It just takes time.
1: Well, let me ask you this. Obviously, you've got your own style. I mean, you 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 know, Taylor Rust has his own style. Was there anyone that you sort of
0: modeled yourself after
1: or or maybe borrowed from as far as all kinds. Okay.
0: All kinds, man. Like that's wrestling is all about being inspired. Even now, when I go to wrestle a match, I'll just try and find what, what what what's gonna inspire me right now? What's something that's gonna inspire my mental thinking? For like how what, what, what we are gonna do this time? Or just I mean it's gonna click my gears in order. You know what I mean? Um, originally, when my first set of wrestling it was Paul London. Paul London was like my big inspiration to like try and emulate him. When you're younger, you don't really know what you're doing so much on your own. You're just trying to repeat what you've seen, right? You're just trying to emulate someone you've seen do their work. Oh, I've seen you know Paul London do these amazing matches in ROH. I want to try and do what he's doing on these local indie shows that I may do out here in California as best as I can. You know, uh, you watch Eddie Guerrero versus Chris Jericho there in WCW. Oh, that's a great match. Let me see if I can do something like that out here, to tell that same story. You know, oh, it doesn't work as well because I'm not at that level, not that good. But, you know, you're trying to do it, you're measuring it, you're seeing what the differences are. Um, from Paul London to remember, it became Brian Danielson because with training, you know, you know, with the pitbulls and TJ, it's the Inoki Dojo style training. And Danielson himself, you know, he spent countless hours and time. He's a product of an old Inoki Dojo up there in Santa Monica. And he worked that exact same style and exact same way they were teaching. So everything we're learning and I'm seeing Danielson, you know, being the best wrestler in the world around the independence and over in Japan doing the exact same style. It was just like, This clips everything they're telling me. This guy is doing it in the ring, and he's doing it better than anybody else can do it. So, you know, for a long time, I was studying a lot of Brian Danielson matches just to see how it was, you know. And then it was opening my eyes because before getting into wrestling, man, I didn't really know what the independents were. I knew that they existed, I knew Japan existed, Mexico, like the the territories and the promotions that were there. I had no idea realistically about the talent and the match styles and anything other other than outside of WCW and WWE. I was really only exposed to like mainstream wrestling younger. So it took me a minute to kind of get a grasp on this is what these world-class talents you've never seen or heard of really are. And once that happened, man, <laughs> I can tell you that, you know, like 19-year-old, 20-year-old, 21-year-old Russ, he used to just, Spend hours every day studying all the matches you got
1: on YouTube. Well, certainly Brian Danielson and Paul London. Now, if you're gonna study two guys and sort of model yourself after, those are those are two good ones, no doubt about that. All right, well, we're gonna take our final break, and then when we come back, we're gonna play
0: ten questions with Ooh. Taylor West. Let's rule America, roll up your sleeves to give blood you can help save lives of patients that depend on blood every single day ring of honor wrestling has once again teamed up with the american red cross for sinclair cares roll up your sleeves make an appointment today to donate blood your donation will help save lives and impact countless more go to sinclaircares.com to schedule your appointment now All right,
1: we are back on the ROH Strong Podcast. My guest is uh, Taylor Rust. He said I can just call him Rust because, uh, you know, I almost called him Rust Taylor before we went to the break, but
0: I'll I'll get it. I will get it. That name, brother. You got to get it. I don't care. You you can call me whatever you want to call me, brother, and I'm mind. mind all right, I'm here with the man in black. Oh, God. (laughs) All right. Don't
1: call me yeah. that. I <laughs> can't tell you anything, but okay, not, not the man in black. All right. All right, well, we're going to play a little game we like to call 10 Questions. Are you ready? All
0: right. And it is now time for 10 Questions with Kevin. All
1: right, question number hey. one. Question number one. What's something on your bucket list? And this could be wrestling bucket list or just life bucket list.
0: Uh, Sorry, I'm going to be terrible at this. I don't know. skydiving.
1: Okay. You should talk to PJ Black.
0: Oh, brother, we've talked extensively about it. Nah.
1: (laughs) (laughs) All right. Question number two. What's a subject you'd like to know more about?
0: Hmm. The universe. The universe outside of the earth, the world around us, that we it's so in depth and unique and 14 billion years old that we're always learning and discovering more and more about. It. It's endless, man. Endless knowledge. Once again, you may want to talk to PJ Black. But <laughs> yeah. we have some really good conversations, actually. We do. Uh,
1: <laughs> I, I've, I've had some deep conversations myself with PJ over the years. Always illuminating talking to people. <laughs> All right, question number three. If you could have a conversation with any celebrity or historical figure,
0: alive or dead, who would it be? Can I say that to make this again? No. <laughs> okay. Uh, let's go with Teddy Roosevelt. Teddy Roosevelt. Man, that's... Theodore not- Roosevelt, yes, please.
1: Okay. That's not one I expected to hear, but... I'm a huge
0: fan of, like, national parks. I am a huge supporter of, like, all the national parks. I love the fact that we have, like, got together as a society here early on and, like, stopped the depleting of our resources of these places and we're preserving them. And he was... He's, like, the father of all that stuff, man. He's the reason that's happening. He's the reason that we have national parks.
1: Absolutely. And also...
0: Yeah.
1: And also the reason why we have teddy bears. Don't forget and that. There is a teddy bear
0: so as well.
1: All right, question number four. Do you cook, and if so, what's your specialty?
0: I cook every single day um, because I hate meal prepping. So mm-hmm. I will okay. cook my food when I'm ready to eat it every single time. And I'm pretty good at a very basic and simple uh, meat, peppers, tomatoes, and spinach grind up you know i'm pretty basic honestly but i mean what you're going to cook every single day every single time you're going to stay pretty basic
1: yeah, yeah I, get, <laughs> I get that all right question number five do you have any hidden talents is there something you're good at that we might not know about uh this is a family show mm, ha, ha. <laughs> uh,
0: I'm, I'm very good at always knowing my north, south, east, and west. I can all, whatever, no matter where we are, I can always tell you which way is which.
1: Well, I'll tell you what, as someone who has no sense of direction, that's impressive to me. Yeah. So, yeah, that's, real, that's very very helpful to have someone who knows that because I don't. And, and, <laughs> and a lot of people that I'm around don't either. So I could tell you some stories, but I won't bore you with it about how many times I've gotten lost and
0: Somebody. It's all correlated off the sun. Well you have to know, it. it's always based off the sun. And even if there's a cloudy day, you can usually kind of find some rays somewhere. And if by chance you're in an area where there's absolutely no sun, well, now you're making kind of a little bit of an educated guess, but there's still ways to know. Okay. Well,
1: I don't know. Maybe my brain just doesn't work that way. But... <laughs> all right. Question number six. Have you ever had a paranormal experience? And if not, do you believe in its existence?
0: Yeah, I think we've all had those experiences. i have to say it's safe to say that, but uh, whether there's something we've made up in our mind, or and then elaborated, and then you know, created to be even more fiction than it really is, or if they were something real, I think it's the eternal question. I don't think what we'll ever know. But I don't know. I'm a man of faith. I like to believe that there's more to everything than. Just an endless nothing. So, sure. I think
1: they're there. All right. Question number seven. Here's a fun one. Uh, do you have a celebrity crush currently, or did you have one growing up?
0: Yeah. I definitely have one now. Oh, man. Uh, but you know, I always get told it's such an odd one uh, Lily Ray. I don't know I, who that is.
1: Yeah. Is it, that, that's, she's on American Horror Story, right?
0: Man. Man. Every time. <laughs> like, every time, especially when she was season three, Misty Day, brother, let me tell you, <laughs> you will <won't laughs> make me fall in love if you introduce me to a Misty Day.
1: I- I've watched every season of American Horror Story. Now, w- w- was that when Misty Day, was that when she was like the Stevie Nicks? Yeah.
0: Yeah. That a was the little woodsy witch girl. Yeah. 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 You find <laughs> Taylor Ross, a woodsy witch, and I will fall in love <laughs> right away.
1: Did she, have you seen all the seasons of American Horror yeah. yeah. How about season one when she was the naughty nun? That no, was season two. Oh, that se- that's right. That was Asylum. Season so one that, that, uh, Murder House,
0: right? Yeah, and, and that little you naughty nun man. man. Yeah. Again, family show here. But yeah, that was the one that turned me on to, who is this actress? <laughs>
1: yeah, yeah. Big fan. Big fan as well. All right. <laughs> Question number eight. What's the, and it might, I, we may have just answered this. I don't know. What's the last show that you binge watched or are currently binge watching?
0: Better Call Saul. Um, I haven't seen season five. So no spoilers. I haven't seen season five, but that's why I'm watching it. Because I have watched it before, but it's been like almost two years since I've watched it. because I was in Germany when they had the last season come out. So I'm re-watching it right now. because then after I'm done, I'm going to try and watch season five online.
1: Gotcha. All right. Uh, Let's stick with the entertainment uh, questions here. Question number nine. Who would play you in a movie about
0: your life? Joseph Gordon-Levitt.
1: Hmm. Okay. See that. See that. All right. We've come to question number 10. The last question. What's something popular that you don't see the appeal
0: of? Social media. <laughs> okay, that? Social media. Oh, okay. I'm like terrible at it, brother. Like I, I am. I've always been bad. i am just, I don't know. Like I'm, yeah, I'm bad at it. You're I'm uh, bad at social media. You're not active
1: on the Twitter machine.
0: I'm not very active. I don't interact. Um, I try and post things just to keep things, just to keep the accounts relevant, realistically. But like, I don't know. I've, I'm bad at it. <laughs> and when we don't do this wrestling thing anymore, man, uh, and I don't have to have it to have this uh, character you can relate to and connect to an audience with, uh, I probably won't have it once I'm done wrestling.
1: Okay. Well, see, this leads me right into the next question. Well, it's not a question. Well, it sort of is. Uh, is, is uh, do you want to give out your social media information <laughs> so that people can follow you?
0: Well, I mean, yeah, like that's why it's there, you know. It's just, <laughs> hey, it's a thing you can follow and click that button, and I don't know every so often there's something comes up. I think, yeah, <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. Uh, underscore at and get the at, right? to the at, the one, at underscore Taylor Rust. That's the new handle
1: for all of it. Okay. <laughs> right. Yeah, but you forgot the at at first. So you you really are bad at this this Twitter thing,
0: brother. Like. I'm not as bad as David Richards, but I'm still kind
1: of bad. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, Russ, should I call you what, what did you say? What do you you, you like Russ or Rust? What, what do you prefer? Rust. Go
0: ahead, okay.
1: Rust. Okay. Well, it it it's been uh it's been a pleasure talking to you. Um, I, I appreciate you doing this, giving me so much of your time. Can't wait to see more of you in Ring of Honor. It was great seeing you at Death Before Dishonor. As I said, coming up on Ring of Honor TV. We'll see more of you. There's a match. Uh, you were involved with the Briscoes. So, again, man, welcome back, and, uh, and and I hope we see you around for a while.
0: I hope to do so, man. I really do. It's a great environment being here. Ring of Honor is, you know, one of the best places in all professional wrestling, period, and it brings out the best in pro wrestling. So, I'm really glad to be able to, like, be here and hopefully leave my mark on in some incredible company.
1: All right, man. Like I said, we're all looking forward to it. Thank and you, uh, Thanks,
0: Kevin. Appreciate yeah, absolutely.
1: And I want to thank everybody out there for listening today. And I want to remind you that a new episode of the ROH Strong podcast drops every Monday morning on ROHwrestling.com and most podcast platforms. Keep it locked into ROHwrestling.com and ROH's social media channels, at Ring of Honor on Twitter and Instagram, Facebook.com slash Ring of Honor for news regarding upcoming episodes. Also for the latest ROH news and views, You can read my column, X-Files, every Friday on ROHwrestling.com. Until next time, this is Kevin X saying stay safe and let's all be ROH strong.